Welcome, dear listener, to another episode of True Hauntings and Scary Stories, the podcast where we alternate between spooky conversation and scary short stories. (laughs) Now, here's your host, Miss Cynthia C. Welcome, spooky friends, and happy New Year's Eve, Eve. <laughs> happy New Year's Eve, Eve, guys. What are you? Uh, what are your resolutions, Cat? Or did you make any? I don't do resolutions. You go, girl. You go. Listen, I'm already a disappointment for a majority of the year. <laughs> I don't need to start off with more disappointment. <laughs> Uh, listen, you just gotta set ones that you want to make happen and that you're good with. Like, I do you want to hear mine? Yes. I'll tell you mine. Yes, inspire me. I resolve to gain 15 pounds and (laughs) because fuck society (laughs) that says I'm fat. Ah, uh, I resolve to be more broke. See, I know that's going to happen. Yes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know. I, I haven't really said any. I don't really care, I guess. I think probably just for me, like, you know, saving up money and working t- so that we can work towards more home upgrades and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. re redoing the downstairs bathroom and uh, getting our greenhouse built and... Ooh. adding a bathroom upstairs so big ticket items but definitely achievable yeah i'm jealous i want a greenhouse so bad but they're not allowed in our neighborhood you live in the wrong neighborhood yeah i do <laughs> i really do this hoa is terrible they're so strict i'm not allowed to have a fence you guys a fence oh yeah no we we made sure Whatever house we bought, that it would not be part of an HOA. Because uh, if you can imagine my husband having someone tell him what to do <laughs> with his house and his property, that's not going to go well. That would end poorly, right. <laughs> is what that would. <laughs> and we actually have a couple stories today that have ended poorly. I bet we do, because today we're talking about New York City. Because I figured, you know... New Year's Eve Eve, where, you know, some people might be in New York City right now, Times Square and all that jazz. So I thought, you know, let's talk about the most haunted places in that area. And let's let's see what we can come up with. And I didn't do any of it. Kat did it all. So Kat gets the credit. And knowing New York City, these are going to be good and twisted and dark. So I'm about it. They are definitely unique because I went digging. I didn't want to just do your your average haunts. But of course, we have to give a shout out to the Hotel Chelsea. That is mm-hmm. that is a very famous haunt in New York City. A lot of people have died there. Some of the most famous ones are Sid and Nancy. Uh, so mm. just, you know, I'm sure you guys have heard about the Hotel Chelsea and all the the crazy stuff that goes on there. But today I have a couple extra oddball ones 
for you guys. And nice. we are going to start at the McCarran Park Pool. Ooh, a haunted pool. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Yes, I thought that would be a pretty good one because you never hear about haunted pools. I hope that the ghost wears arm floaties. Oh, Lord. (laughs) All right. So the McCarran Park Pool opened in 1936 in Brooklyn, New York. And in 1979, the city approved a $100 million restoration for all nine New York City pools. And this way, Mm -hmm. they would be ready for the 50th anniversary celebration in 1986. So the city was like, we need to do some remodeling on our pools, some restorations, some upgrades. Let's give out some grants. You guys do great things and we'll we'll open up for our 50th anniversary. The pool was closed down in 1983 to begin the repairs, but the community stepped in and put a stop to the restoration. They were like, no, we don't we don't want you guys to do anything to the pool, like just shut it down leave it as is. We don't want this. The reason being is that they, the community said that the pool, this particular pool in question, attracted uh, undesirable people in the neighborhood. There was a lot of petty crimes that would happen around the pool. So they were just, you know, they were like, we don't want any more bad stuff in our neighborhood. On August 6th, 2012, which was a sunny Sunday afternoon, Crowds of families lined up to enter the pool for its grand reopening after being closed for 28 years. Oh, wow. Right? So this pool was just sitting empty and fenced off for 28 years. It was crazy. And finally, the city was like, you know what? We really need to bring this back. I think everyone who complained about it before is gone now. We'll just have fun. Nice. Now, of course, 28 years of a pool being closed, rumors are going to float around about what's happened there and, you know, what's been going on. Why has the pool been closed for so long? It gets overgrown. It's dirty. It's grungy. Kind of creepy looking, right? Especially at night. (laughs) So rumors went around that a little girl drowned in the pool uh, between... 1936 and, and 1983 from when the pool opened wow. when it closed. Somewhere in there. That's a big span. Right? Somewhere in there, the rumor was that a little girl had died in that by drowning in that pool, and she can sometimes be heard crying for help, as well as she's seen wandering around the perimeter of the pool. Mm-mm. Right? Kids' deaths, man. Always sad. I'm afraid of water on a good day. Really? So there is no way. I I do not. I'm not a good swimmer. I I have a fear of drowning. I just you can't breathe under there. Like why? Don't do that. There you can't breathe under there. Just so there's no way that I'm going to go in a haunted pool because (laughs) the first ghost I see under that water, I'm going to (laughs) drown. See, that's that's so funny because you grew up in Florida where there is just mm-hmm. water all around you. <laughs> yes, a very awkward fear to have when you live in a coastal town. <laughs> and I grew, I started swimming, I think, when I was six months old. 
Mm. I mean, I've I've been swimming forever. I love the water. I was on the swim team when I was in middle school. Mm. I won ribbons. I was awesome. My my mom <laughs> always called me her little her little mermaid or her little water baby. <laughs> nice. That's how my husband is. He loves the water too. See, we'll get along. <laughs> <laughs> Now, the funny part is, is that there was never actually a documented death of a little girl at McCarran Park. However, there was a documented death of a 14-year-old boy named Vernon Wiederhold, and he drowned at the pool in 1977. Hmm. Mm-hmm. In the years leading up to the pool's reopening, so during that 28 28- year span of it being closed there have been several documented deaths of homeless people dying on the property that's weird well isn't that weird not really when you think about it that's a pretty big time span for Mm. you know squatters and and people of the such and you know you wander into the property you know if you're under the influence of something maybe you trip and fall into the empty pool is what I, I wow. could imagine, or overdoses, or... So all the deaths happened in the pool, not on the property? I think, uh, so the, the 14-year-old boy, he did drown at the pool. Okay. Uh, there wasn't... I couldn't find any other specifics of how any of the homeless people died, just a, that homeless mm. people had died on the property. Yeah. When I think uh, haunted pool... I immediately think of the movie Ghost Ship. Is that the one where they're all in the pool yes. and they get shot? Yes. Yes. That is a good movie. So I had not seen that until you recommended it. And yeah, I definitely dig it. It gave me uh, 13 ghost vibes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Gotta love early 2000s horror movies. <laughs> all right. So the reason that we know that the pool is haunted is because on November 14th, 2004, the Paranormal Investigation Group of New York City, that's their name, the Paranormal Investigation Group, NYC, they did an investigation at the pool. Now, while the pool was closed, the actual property of the pool was closed off to the public. So like I said, they had a fence around the perimeter of the property, and you were not allowed on the other side of that fence. It was closed off. That would be trespassing. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, homeless people don't always obey laws, but these investigators did. So they they did all their investigations on the uh, perimeter of the pool, the outside the hmm. fence. And they did note that there was a very active rise in uh, their their meter when they were doing EMF detections. Uh, they also reported cold spots. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, cold spots outside New York City. Yeah, sure. No, these were drops in more than 50 degrees. Wow. Yeah. So that's why I was like, oh, oh whoa. That's a pretty big drop in temperature just all of a sudden. Of course, I know that you're really into EVPs and recordings Mm -hmm. and such. But of course, with New York City, that was impossible due to the heavy traffic noise that was around. You just wouldn't pick anything up. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. 
And when the pool had their grand reopening in 2012, they did a whole bunch of the, there was news reporters out there and they were interviewing families and individuals that were excited to be going to the pool again, listening to the different stories and such. And pretty much a lot of people had heard about the rumors of it being haunted. One says it was a little girl. One says that it was a boy. They can hear phantom splashes, uh, very Mm -hmm. odd things going on. Um, dogs don't like to walk in the dark past that pool. They get really weirded out, which is kind of mm. funny. That's how you know. <laughs> That's how you know. It's dogs know these things. Mm-hmm. But haunted or not, the community surrounding the McCarran Park pool, they don't let a little ghost story scare them away from enjoying the pool since it does have free admission. And we all know how horrible New York City summers can be. So. Mm, I yeah. I would not let a ghost stop me from going swimming there either. <laughs> That's cool. I mean, it sounds like a nice place, but I am not swimming in a haunted pool. That's that's going to be a hard pass for me. All right. I'll go by myself. <laughs> Some ghost is going to grab my ankle for sure. It's going to happen. <laughs> All righty. Do you want to hear about the ear in? The ear in? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me have it. I thought this one was pretty fun. So the Ear Inn is located at 326 Spring Street in New York, New York. Is it spelled E-A-R? Yes. That's weird. Tell me there's a story behind it. There is, and I have included it. As somebody who got brutally made fun of for their ears sticking out as a kid... Uh, I swear I did not pick this story because of Uh that. I promise. (laughs) I picked it because it was a weird name, and the ghost that haunts this place is kind of a perv. (laughs) Nice. You picked a story about my fear, my phobia, and then a story about the one thing I got brutally made fun of for. You did let me choose the stories. I I'm did. Doing the I did. You are the only one to blame here. Okay. <laughs> the Ear Inn is one of the oldest watering holes in New York City, and it opened in 1817. Ooh, nice. Yes. This is the. It's a James Brown house, and that's that's a style of house, but it was named after the actual man, James Brown. The house was built around 1770 for James Brown. And Brown was an African-American ex-slave, and he was an aide to George Washington in the Revolutionary War. Wow, cool. So a pretty important guy, and they built a house for him. After Brown's death in the mid-1800s, the house began to transform into a waterfront drinking establishment. It was not very far from the Hudson River at the time it was built. Not far, I mean like five feet away. (laughs) Yeah, it was right on the Hudson River. And this is where they would make home-brewed beer and whiskey. Mm. The house would maintain its boozy history all through the Prohibition era and afterwards. Mm -hmm. Long after the Prohibition era, it had been changed into a restaurant um, while maintaining the bar. 
the upstairs apartment uh, had many different purposes over the years. It served as a smuggler's den, a brothel, a doctor's office, a boarding house, amongst many others, while the main level was the go-to place for drinking and dining. Wow. Yeah. Rich history. Right? A lot of stuff going on there. Yeah. Yeah. The bar was finally given an official name in the late 1970s. So up until this, the late 1970s, it was just the bar. Hmm. It, did, it never had That's an official weird. name. I guess they, they just didn't think it was important. Hmm. Um, the owners at the time, uh, Martin Sheridan and Richard Rip Heyman, cleverly altered the neon sign that existed already on the front of the real building that just read bar. Mm-hmm. And so they manipulated that neon sign to remove the front part of the B so that it read <laughs> ear. Oh, my god! When gosh. it was highlighted at night, it just looked like ear. That's how it got its name. That's how it's got its name. Just pure laziness and cheapness. Well, right they there. did that <laughs> so that they could avoid all the bureaucratic red tape and waiting for a name change oh. to go through and this, that, and the other thing. So... They just kind of like burnt out some lights and it became the ear hmm. in. Wow, that's weird. It did work very well, though, because it also paid homage to the name of their music magazine, Ear, hmm. which was being produced at the time in the upstairs apartments of the same building. Oh, okay. So I thought, Okay, so it makes sense. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Just very happenstance. But of course, you're like, oh my gosh, yes, okay, so much history. But I thought we were talking about haunted places in New York. Yes, lay it on me. The year in is haunted. And that is because of Mickey the Sailor. Ooh, Mickey the Sailor. Mickey the Sailor, that is his official name. Mickey was a regular at the bar when he wasn't away at sea, and he loved being at the inn so much, it's said that he used to sometimes plead with the bar staff to keep the place open after they'd already shut down for the night. <laughs> he did not want to go anywhere else but that bar. It's not clear on how Mickey died, but there's at least two theories. The mm-hmm. first being that after an especially long voyage at sea, Mickey came into port and wanted only one thing, beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he needed... As any good sailor yes, does. Yes, <laughs> So he disembarked from his ship and dashed from the port into the bar and drank. And drank. And drank. Mm. And drank. And drank some more. And it said that Mickey drank so much that night that he eventually got alcohol poisoning and died right there in his favorite stool. Well, I bet you're very dehydrated when you get back from Mm -hmm. being out in the ocean for a long time. So I'm sure that didn't help any. Yeah, I I would imagine not. That sounds plausible. (laughs) Right. The other theory is that, again, after a long night of drinking... Mickey tried to make his way home, but his trip was cut short when he was struck by a car moments after stepping out of the pub. Hmm. Well, those are two very different deaths. Did they not have a record of his death? or Not that I could find, but this was also in the 1920s. Hmm. 
So, you know. And he was a sailor. So yep. Yep. probably didn't have many records. Yep. So either yeah. way, however he died in, in 1920, Mickey became a permanent patron of the year in. Ooh. I know. Now, you and I could go there, but be prepared because female patrons at the bar, just be aware. <laughs> it said that Mickey likes to make supernatural advances on the ladies. Oh, Lord. <laughs> He's still a jerk, mm-hmm. even in death. He prods at the waitress's behinds. Uh, you'll feel really cold breath on the back of your neck. Um, pinches on your your booties, that kind of <laughs> stuff. The upstairs is still a place where you can spend the night if you you know indulge a little bit too much downstairs. But again, if you're female, be aware that if you spend the night upstairs, you might feel a very cold shift in the covers as Mickey crawls into bed with you. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> Ew. Listen, how sure are they that they don't just have a pervy employee (laughs) that's like creeping around and pinching ladies' butts or something? (laughs) That is a a common question because it he doesn't just affect the ladies. Okay. He gets gets pretty frisky with the ladies, but he he takes advantage of all good bar patrons. Wow, okay. Commonly bargoers will order a drink. They'll take it from the bar and they'll set it down at their table. The next moment, their drink is mysteriously downed. Glasses empty. <laughs> the patrons have complained that the barkeep was playing tricks on them or that the wait staff was drinking their beers. <laughs> However, owners of the inn have repeatedly confirmed that no, the barkeep did not trick them and no, the staff did not take their drinks. It's just Mickey being Mickey. Wow. How does a ghost or a spirit drink actual fluid? Like, where does that fluid go? I'm picturing cartoons where the ghost tries to eat something and just falls right through them, like the Casper movie. I was just going to say, that makes me think of Casper, where they're just eating all the food and stuff, and it just falls on the floor. It just gets (laughs) chewed up somehow and then falls in a mass on the floor. I don't like, know, but that's weird. that is the story of Mickey <laughs> at the Ear Inn. He's wow. drinking your booze and, and hitting Pinching on your, your ladies. <laughs> so if you guys, our listeners, are going to be in New York City around New Year's Eve, maybe make your way over to the mm-hmm. McCarran Park pool late at night. See if you can hear a little girl yelling for help. Or, mm-hmm, but uh, don't trespass. You can visit the ear in and wet your whistle while, if, if you can get it before Mickey does. Gotta drink your beer mm-hmm. before Mickey gets it. Thank you for telling us the spooks in New York. If you guys happen to go to one of those places for reals, definitely join the Facebook group and tell us about it. Or you can even email it to us, Cynthia at truehauntings.com, because we wanna know. We wanna know if you got spooked when you went to them. And if you want to have extra content or be able to read Cindy's stories afterward, after listening to them, or you just prefer to listen to them, you want to interact with our Twitter, our Instagram, our Facebook page, Etsy, Patreon, 
any of those, just head on over to truehauntings.com and you can Mm -hmm. find everything that you need. Yep, there's also links in the show notes if you want just a quick way to jump over to what, whatever you want to go to. So what kind of bonus episodes do we do, Kat? We do a lot of episodes about different state legends. Mm-hmm. We've talked about Irish vampires before. Talked about fairies. Fairies. We did talk about fairies. Yeah, I, we've got one that talks about banshees. One that talks about weird things, like creepy things that were found inside the walls of homes. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah. We have cursed objects. Our bonus episodes can be about pretty much anything. Cryptids. And the cool thing is with our patrons and our bonus episodes, you guys get to vote on that. We do a poll every month to find out. We do two bonus episodes every month. And one of the bonus episodes, we let you guys pick it. So we give you some options, and then you guys vote on it, and then we do the one that you voted for the most. Thanks for hanging with us. Thanks, Kat, to doing the research and telling us about some spooks in New York City. If you guys are there, go check out those places and tell us how it was. And until next time, we'll spook you later. (laughs) 